Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. There behind the glass stands a real blade of grass. Be careful as you pass. Welcome to the baseball trade deadline show. Seth, Seth Kamen is in the car. Sean Palmer here. We are both here on a 3 o'clock July 31st special trade deadline show. Well, it wasn't supposed to be the special show because yesterday I was stuck in an airport, basically for 12 hours. Got in at 2.45 this morning. Not very happy with the weather, but it seems like Seth is going through the weather right now that encapsulated the whole East Coast yesterday. Good morning, or good afternoon, Mr. Caymans. Good afternoon, sir. Happy birthday, Morgan. Woohoo! You made it to one. So Daddy's trying to Better get home yet. for you, but we're gonna be we're gonna be stuck for a while. Better yet, congratulations to Mama and Papa Cayman who made it through one year of Morgan Cayman. I think it, congratulations for making it through one year of two kids. You only have fifteen more years of that to go. There you go. Un- until and then, the, then, then the drinking then the, then the drinking can commence. For all parties well, involved. Well, then the drinking. Yeah, that's definitely true. Uh, I did my share of that last night. After you get bumped off of a flight, I was supposed, ladies and gentlemen, I was supposed to come back on Monday after having a tremendous weekend in London. Cheerio and uh, congratulations to Mr. and Mrs. Tonk. Tremendous wedding in London. Get back on Monday. Get back Sunday night. Monday, I was supposed to fly out. And my plane is delayed for three and a half hours. So I was like, all right, so I'm not going to try and fly in and get in at super early in the morning on Tuesday morning. I'll push it and take the 4 o'clock flight on Tuesday, figuring that would be easier. My flight gets canceled 30 minutes before it was supposed to take off. So that was fun on Tuesday. And last night I got in at 2.45 in the morning. So to say I am wired, to say I am tired, would both be a good explanation of why you're hearing me the way you are. But that being said, it is one of my favorite times of the year in that it's the baseball trade deadline. But if you're a Mets fan, you're kind of perplexed. If you're a Yankee fan, I assume you're perplexed. I'm not one of those. Because, yes, the Yankees are in first place, Seth, but the way they're constructed right now, I can't see them making it out of the, out of the first round with that starting pitching. They don't have anybody they can rely on. No, they don't. Um, it's, the staff has become very questionable very quickly. And we don't know when Severino's coming back. Paxton's been a disappointment. Sabathia's hurt. Uh 
Hap has been uh, not great. It's the question is, and it's the, been the million dollar question for a while. Is do, are they willing to trade Clint uh, Clint Frazier, one of their stud prospects, to get a Robbie Ray, a Madison Baumgartner, a Syndergaard, whoever it may be? And is it worth it for them? In the short in in the, well, in the me, short term it would be, but in the long term would it be? Well, when you're the Yankees, and and you and I have discussed this many a time, the thing that the yet so in Major League Baseball, there's no salary cap. You can spend as much as you want. Now, granted, there's a luxury tax. The Yankees really don't care about that. Neither do the Red Sox. But the fact is, you have the ability to reload based on money, not necessarily based on players. You can just go out and get more if you want. You can take on a bad contract in order to get more prospects. You can pay down a guy's salary in order to make a good trade. The Yankees have done this over and over and over again. And what, what's the term that they said in Toronto this year when they lost Kawhi Leonard? Flag five forever. And for the Yankees, who haven't been to a World Series, and I was actually surprised when I read this, although when I went back, it made sense. got to be been to, 10 years. Yeah, a decade. I mean, this is the longest that they've been without a World Series since 1991. So... I mean, you're looking at 26, 27 years. This is the longest time without even being in a World Series, let alone winning a World Series. And right now, the way that they are constructed, I don't see any way that they win a World Series. I'm not really sure if they get a Robbie Ray or if they get a Madison Baumgartner, they're not getting Syndergaard. The Mets are not making that trade. Like, that's never going to happen, ever. So if they get one of those two guys, does that get you over the hump? I think that's what Cashman basically thinks. Right. That's what he's going through right now is, all right, so I give up Clint Frazier, and I give up that prospect at single A who's dominating. But even if I get this one guy, even if I get this one starter, does that win me a World Series? And I don't think it does. I don't think he gets him anywhere close. So – you are the epitome of, what is it, the 1996 Seattle Mariners, where you would have one, one pitcher, and that's it. You, and the rest would be Jim and our pitcher's, not, our pitcher's not Randy Johnson. Right, exactly. Bingo. So I, I don't think you're going to see the Yankees make a trade. I don't think they're going to get one of those starters. First of all, I don't think any of those starters are available. I don't think Bob Gardner is available. I don't think the best that they can hope for is a Zach Wheeler, which, again, I don't think the Mets are making a trade with the Yankees, or they're looking at a Robbie Ray. And Robbie Ray, yeah, he, he throws gas, but he also walks a whole lot of, a whole lot of people. And he gives up a whole lot of homers. And Yankee Stadium is the one place where you're not looking to give up homers. Because they go out. So the trade deadline, I believe, is at 4 o'clock. We've seen some trades go forth today. One of them being Tanner Rourke just went from the Cincinnati Reds to the Oakland Athletics. And that piggyback that is in the biggest trade so far 
in a three-way deal where Tyler Trammell, a top 30 prospect, goes to San Diego. San Diego trades Familio Reyes, who is 24 and has been hitting bombs, but has no position. He goes to Cleveland. Cleveland also gets Yasiel Puig and a couple of other smaller prospects. And Trevor Bauer, the guy that the Yankees probably should have been in, goes over to Cincinnati. And you and I talked about Cincinnati at the beginning of the year, how we were intrigued, but didn't think they had the the juice to make it. They're five and a half out of the playoffs right now. They have the second-best ERA without Trevor Bauer. They're loading up. I mean, they're loading up for a run. I'm not sure the run is in them, though. But a very interesting trade. No, I'm surprised they traded Puig because obviously they're going to need him for their battle royals with the Pirates over the next couple of months. Um, if anyone saw what happened last night, did you see what happened or, were you, or have you just heard the stories? Oh, no, I've seen what happened. It was definitely a interesting battle royal to begin with, 100%. Yeah, I mean. I don't get it. If you look um, at. Yeah, so, so Puig goes along with his incurring suspension, upcoming suspension, goes over to Cleveland. Cleveland's got a lot more power in their lineup right now, and they're hoping that Corey Kluber, who the reigning Cy Young Award winner, not reigning, sorry, two years ago, Cy Young Award winner, um, is coming back next week, and they're hoping that he takes the spot of Bauer and continues on their merry way with with Mike Clevenger and a couple of others in their staff. I think it's a good risk for Cleveland to take in the fact that they're just basically shoving out Bauer, who they would have lost in two years, and gotten some some good power. But Cincy seems to just like shuffling the deck. I mean, that's what it seems like to me. They're, they're, they're probably not going to make the playoffs. And the question is whether they can trade Bauer next year, perhaps, and get a prospect of Tyler Trammell's um, pedigree. Well, wait a minute. Aren't they only about three back in the, in the central? Um, the Minnesota team that, that really has still has – is it five now? Oh, you're talking about, you're talking about Cleveland. So, Cleveland is yeah. three back in the central, yes. Yes, sir. So I would, I would certainly not write them off against a Minnesota team with a lacking pitching, to say the least. Um, oh, no, 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 no. I wasn't writing them off. I was writing Cincinnati off. Gotcha. Yeah, for Cincinnati, it makes it's interesting in regards that they got a solid picture. And I don't, I'll be honest, I don't know the depth of the prospects that they gave up, but it just seems like a strange trade. Of all the things that Cincinnati needs, that would not have been at the top of my priority list. No, like I said, it seems like to me that they're just spinning their wheels. And they're just trading for the sake of trading, trading, trying to make the team interesting. And that's exactly what they're doing. Now, whether that works or not is a totally different story. But as I said before, they are seven, eight out of their own division. And I believe they're five and a half out of the wild card. And like six teams – hold on, I, I got the stats yeah, right here. Yeah, like a nine-team – Yeah, they, they got to jump a ton. 
ton of teams. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. They're ninth. They're six and a half out of the wild card. They even have to jump the Mets and the Padres. So, exactly. And now you have, and now you have the Mets, right? So the Mets make an interesting deal, and they go get Marcus Stroman. And they basically pick up the pitcher that everybody thought was going to the Yankees. And you wonder what the Mets are doing. And look, Brody, BBB, Brody, the new, the new GM, who everybody is basically sleeping on. If they're keeping Thor, which supposedly they are right now, and they're keeping Stroman, Stroman signed through next year as well. And they're keeping DeGrom, and they're keeping Matt. And if they, I hope they trade Wheeler because Wheeler is a free agent after this year. But let's imagine they, they keep Wheeler, and then they give him a, a qualifying offer next year. That's the best rotation in the major league by far. But the Mets have gone down this road before with five aces and never done anything. So – you always question what's going on with the Mets. And I think what they basically did was they got Stroman and they said, okay, the price was just too good. They gave up the number four and number six prospects in their organization. Neither one is a stud. And they said, okay, well, we can get a legitimate number three starting pitcher for the, for this for the value. It's a value trade. It's not necessarily we needed to have Stroman, but – Toronto's going to trade him for this little of value, then it makes sense for us to pick up the phone, right? I, w- I wonder if Toronto is not willing to trade with the Yankees on this. Because I cannot imagine Cashman would not have given up, again, not Del V. Garcia, you know, not, you know, one of the two or three big ones, but I can't believe he wouldn't have given up a little bit more than this to get to get Stroman. I find that really surprising. I I would completely agree with you. Completely agree with you. So hold on, I think we had a trade with and we're going so the Phillies are acquiring Corey Dickerson. The Diamondbacks are acquiring Zach Gellin. There have been a lot of trades in the last couple of minutes, actually. The Nationals are, are getting some relief help with Hunter Strickland. We talked about the Athletics were going to acquire Tanner Rourke. So basically what happened was that the, the Reds got Trevor Bauer and traded Tanner Rourke, Rourke being a free agent after this year and, and, uh, and Bauer not being. And then you have the Brewers made a significant trade involved with the Giants, but it does not it, – it's Drew Pomerantz. It is not Madison Baumgartner. So Pomerantz has had a lot of injury problems, but Milwaukee has, Milwaukee has a shot. They're only one game out of the playoffs. They made a trade, another trade today trading Jesus – I love the name, Jesus Aguilar, to Tampa Bay, and they picked up another starter. So they are loading up on pitching because their pitching has stunk. 
and they keep having injuries. So they keep on trying to pick up these these uh, fringe starters, not great starters, but decent major league average starters, and hoping that you, if you throw enough spaghetti at the wall, one of them will stick. So it's July 31st, and let me ask you, Seth, this is the first year where there's not two baseball deadlines, and we uh, trading deadlines, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. It's nice for today, but to me, what happens after today? I mean, there was always there was always some some um, push in August to see about trades. There was always some some news about even if it was a high expensive player like a Justin Verlander, there was always something going on. After today, talk about dog days of August, which you always like to point out is basically your most boring time of the year because there's nothing else going on until training camp for the NFL. Do you like this July 31st deadline? Uh, I do think there should be one, um, one deadline. So whether it's July 31st or August 31st, I would, I would have pushed it back a little bit further, but that's just my opinion. Um, I don't really love it, or I don't really have much of an opinion on it, to be honest. See, I was all in favor of making it August fifteenth-ish because that gives you a little bit of both worlds. I don't really like. Yeah. I understand the rationale for having it this early. Is it's supposed to bring more people to the table? As as we said before. The Reds are six and a half games out. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine teams are within six and a half games in the National League. In the American League, it's a little bit different. One, two, three, four, five, five, five teams within six and a half games. So there's a lot more possibility to sell your fan base on if you're making trades today as opposed to making like the Reds can conceivably say, can I make up six and a half games on in two months? Yes, you can. I'm not sure you will, but you can. And the Mariners have won six straight games. The Mets have won five straight games. That's surprising to me, but they've won five straight games. So you can make up games still. If you do it in late August, how many teams can really, outside of the Yankees making it up against the Red Sox, how many teams could really make up that many games in that short of a period of time? So I think that's why it is this close uh, to the beginning of the season rather than the end of the season. So, all right, so we will monitor. Oh, I already got 12. Uh, Twitter's great for this, by the way. I'm not a big fan of Twitter all the time, but as far as getting like trades, man, this is tremendous. It, so it looks like the Braves are nearing nearing a deal for Shane Green. This is all according to Major League Baseball rumors. Shane Green, the closer for the Tigers. Uh, the Dodgers are acquiring Jed Gurko from the Cardinals. Um, one of my favorite names in sports. Jed Gurko, G-Y-R-K-O, plays second and third. And uh, is a legitimate 20 to 30 home run guy. The Dodgers are the most interesting team of all 
Because right now they could coast home. I mean, they are so far ahead of everybody else. They are they are 15 games ahead of the San Francisco Giants. Like this would take a 1978, uh, basically snooze for the Giants to make up 15 games. But what? But as constituted, Seth, do you see the Dodgers as a prohibitive favorite in the West, in the National League? I don't see them as prohibitive favorites. I see, Not really. I see them as favorites. Right. I mean, you have you have Roy Jin. As a number one, you got Kershaw as a number two, but you, you really don't. I mean, Kent Mieta could be your number three, but Tamley Jansen is your closer, but not really great. You're riding Bellinger. You have a lot of talent on that team, but they've never really put it together in the playoffs. And as we said last week. Well, wait I'll a take, minute, wait a minute. I'll to take be the fair. Next, they they went to game seven of the World Series twice, twice. That's true. Twice. So they did. It's not like they didn't put it. It's this is not a Washington Capitals fold for the last twenty five years. No, agreed. You know, they, they, agreed. Agreed. But if you're telling me right now to pick, you got a seven game series between the Dodgers and the Nationals. I'm picking the Nationals. The problem I is like we've seen this with the Nationals. Well, yeah, of course you right. do. But well, we've seen this with the we've seen this with Washington before. Yeah, and they they always tend to find a way to disappoint. Yep. I think we've come down to if you are Andrew Friedman and you have such a such a plethora of prospects, and it's amazing how this guy did so well in Tampa Bay and now moves over to the Dodgers and has money, and he's still winning the exact same way. He's not throwing money at all these guys. He's actually developing players. Unlike, well, I won't say unlike Cashman. I guess Cashman does the same thing. But unlike the Philadelphia Phillies, who have all this money and aren't doing anything and then have to sign free agents. But Andrew Friedman has built a consistent winner in L.A. And has a plethora of prospects, and the question is, does he go for it? And who's available to him? It doesn't look like the – it looks like Shane Green's going to, to Atlanta. Who are the other relievers available? Felipe Vasquez is not going anywhere from Pittsburgh. And are the Mets willing to throw in the towel with Edwin Diaz and admit failure based on the Robinson Cano deal? I don't think Brody's ready to do that just yet. I think, the, I think Brody thinks the Mets could still make this based on that Stroman deal. And especially if they hold on to Wheeler. But I don't know, Have maybe that's seen just my lineup. optimism coming in. Yeah, I mean I've you got McNeil, you've got Alonzo. There's no reason again, is there any reason that I can that I'm missing to think that the lineup can get you to the playoffs. I realize the starting the starting pitching could. Because you said that is a really, really solid top three. Let alone forgetting about Mets and um, and Wheeler. But 
you got to get hitting to get there, and they just don't have it. Well, as I said before, it really depends. Look, we, we called, and we called it last week, that Robinson Cano was the least valuable player in the, in the National League. And just like irony has bespoke, he hits three home runs that day. I mean, we couldn't be any more wrong, at least for one day. <laughs> so if, if Cano, and I'm not saying, look, he's not going to hit three home runs every day. But he's been playing better. Do they have the lineup to bash their way into the into the playoffs? No, but they have their they have a, a starting pitching that could win one nothing games or two one games. And again, like I said yeah. before, do I think this is do I think this is a optimistic feel from my head? Yes, but is it possible? Sure, it's possible. You got the best five. If, if you if this is the starting rotation, you have the best starting rotation in baseball. You have the worst bullpen next to the Nationals, but you're the best starters. Okay, so moving on from that, and we'll, as as more trades come in, and remember, we said that the trading deadline is at four o'clock, so we will continue to monitor Twitter and anything else in looking for. <coughs> excuse me in uh, monitoring who's going to go where, and we will keep you up to date. Uh, I'm looking right now. It doesn't look like there was any big trades in the last five minutes. <laughs> but you never know. Blah, blah. So, well, yeah. I mean, look. Okay, so let's move on to our question of the day, which we do every week. Uh, well, we started again. If you were the commissioner of a sport, what is the change that you would make in order to make the sport more popular. And we've done Major League Baseball. We've done the NBA. And due to the fact that we are now in the dog days of summer, I will pose this question to Commissioner Kamen. You are the boxing commissioner. And Seth, we've talked about, we've talked about boxing off and on throughout the last couple of years and said, how much boxing has taken a precipitous dip in ratings, precipitous dip in popularity, and more and more injuries are happening. And maybe that's because people are too big, as you stated before, last week, actually. Or maybe medicine is better, in which people are stronger. How are you saving the sport? How are you making the sport more popular? Go. Okay, I, all right, number one, I I don't think the sport needs to be saved. Um, it is not the sport of the 1920s and 30s. It doesn't have that kind of popularity. We'll never have it again. It realistically doesn't have the greatness and the charisma that it did in the 80s with Leonard and Hagler and Hearns. What pisses me off about boxing more than anything, and look, ESPN has just invested in it. Uh, DAZN, which is a, good, a new sports outlet, has invested heavily in it. Showtime is still doing fine with it. It was only HBO that pulled out. So there is, it's not falling by the wayside. If I could do one thing, it's very simple. I would actually almost have to break it into two, but I want 
one champion per division. Not three champions, not the interim, and then the diamond, and then the emeritus champion. One champion, one league, whether it's a W or one organization. WBA, WBC, IBF, WBO, whichever one it is, I don't care. It can be the ring championship. It makes no difference to me. Give me one champion per division. And have everyone else fight to be to fight to get there. That's what makes things it makes it interesting to me. And then people are incentivized and then the belt means something. Now they're just half the time they're just a trinket. Has no value. That's my that's How what I would like any- to do. How is this any different than what it was Evander Holyfield and when it was any of these, the older generation, the Mike Tysons, right? There were still those three or four belts, but boxing was a more popular sport, right? So is that well, really what's been... limiting the popularity? No, no. What's happened is a lot of the boxing, the old school boxing fans – have died off, and the people who followed in the foots in the combat sports footsteps have gone to mixed martial arts. So I think what's happened is you've lost some of the boxing fans to MMA, and I don't know how you bring them back. But for me, okay, just giving it as a yeah. Sorry, no. What are you gonna say? No, go ahead. No, go ahead. For you as a boxing fan. As a boxing fan, and I am a boxing fan. I don't need to see every fight be a championship fight. I don't need the Euro- the English Commonwealth Championship and the European Championship. One belt. Because then when you have these championship belts or you have these number one contender fights, they actually mean something. When there's 72 belts, it's all diluted. And you really don't know who who is the best. Now, I understand there's a value. There's an intrinsic va- marketing value to having a belt. Champion versus champion. Great, but that doesn't happen a lot of the time because the champions don't fight each other. So the only way to truly incentivize them for the belt to have value is to limit the number of belts that are out there. Okay. So, just to chime in, according to uh, the New York Post, Joel Sherman, the Yankees are out on Zach Wheeler. According to USA's Bob Nightingale, the Yankees are out on Rob Ray. Those are officially dead. Um, Madison Baumgartner is not expected to be traded. And Brian Cashman is, according to Sherman, Brian Cashman is now focusing on bullpen arms. Which, what? how many guys can you have in the bullpen? Yep. Yeah, I don't get that part. But anyway, all right, so what would I do? So now I'm the commissioner. What would I do? You know where I think boxing has lost? I think boxing, so Japan will, I believe, will not have boxing in the Olympics. I don't know that if they do that. That right. I didn't know that. I think that I, I think Bob, uh, I, I read this. Hold on. 
Boxing Olympics Japan. They lost accreditation. Oh, no. It's back. Forget that idea. I thought it was done. But they're back. Is boxing still in the Olympics? Uh, yes, it's still in the Olympics. I guess. Um, okay. So, I thought there was boxing not in the Olympics. But I would seriously do one of two things. I would either A, make the ring bigger. And I know that that may be problematic to some people because it's not all the same as it has been in the past. But the same way, Seth, as we have discussed making an NFL field bigger because people are bigger, I think the fact that a boxing ring has stayed stagnant for the same for, – and, and people have legitimately gotten bigger. So there's less room to move. That's number one. Number two – I would give the play I would give the boxers more rest. And number three, I would give the referee more discretion to stop a fight. I really have a hard time seeing blame blame. Now I'm having one. Brain bleeds. And seeing punch drunk guys. And I know everybody wants to see a knockout, but if a guy is just stumbling and stumbling and stumbling I'm not leaving it up to the discretion of the trainer to throw in the white towel. I'm just, I'm, the fight's over. Because I'm sick of seeing, I'm sick of seeing the news. And granted, we get more of it because there's more of the news. There's more Twitter. There's more Facebook. We discussed this last week. But the fact is, I, I don't want to see boxers or anybody else dying or having to go to the hospital right away. It's a sport. It's not your life. It's not worth your life. And I know you're going to tell me that they inherit the risk. And me being an attorney, I should understand that, that you inherit the risk of when you go in the ring, you may, come, you may not come out. I get that. doesn't mean I like it. I'm not really sure what you can do about it other than giving the ref a little bit more discretion or putting headgear on a guy. But I'm not sure headgear solves the problem. Yeah, he won't get hit in the head, but he may die from a punch to the heart. Not really sure that solves my problem. But it may get it better. What are your thoughts on the bigger ring? I'm not sure you would agree with me on that. Actually, I like it. I think it's logical. Um, you know, every other sport has, has I don't want to say expanded, that's not the right word, but has evolved. And that this may be a more a reasonable evolution. Now, I'm actually not sure that all, sure that all rings are the same, ironically. Because I think I've seen people and request sure if, different rings. And I'm not sure it solves the problem. No. I mean, that's my... That, uh, I'm not sure it solves the problem. It gives, it gives the fighters more space. It gives the fighters more room to maneuver. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the, the fighting is, Look, is less. Look, if you get, hit by, Deontay, you get hit by a Deontay Walter, uh, Wilder cross square, doesn't matter if you're in a 10-foot ring or a 1,000-foot ring. You're going down. So, you know, but I, I think it, I, I do think it, it would be helpful. Certainly couldn't hurt. And as you said, this is a sport more than most where, the, where there is an enormous inherent risk. So, 
if there are ways that you can, within reason, that you can mitigate a small percentage of it, why wouldn't you do it? Look, I'm, I'm all for it. I mean, I, I think people are turned off. You have your MMA fighters. I, you have your MMA fans. I get that. You have your boxing fans. I get that. But there's a small percentage of the, So you have, say, 100%, and you have 50-50, both MMA and boxing. And I don't think it's even, mind you, but let, let's go with that for now. The pie, I think the pie shrinks every time somebody dies. I think people are turned off. I think you have some people that tune in specifically for that, the same reason that people tune in specifically to see um, a bobsled crash or a car crash, for that matter. I think you, you see those people that want to see, that they want the shock value. I, I think you have those. But I think you also have the fans that every time somebody gets seriously hurt or dies, you lose a fan or two along with that because they're saying this just isn't right. You shouldn't have this. Uh, I'm one of those guys that I, it would take a lot for me to watch an MMA or, or a boxing match at this point. I just have no, I, I don't want to see that happen. So if I'm not, if I'm not watching it, I know for certain I won't. I don't mind watching a Floyd Mayweather fight because I know damn well that he's never going to knock anybody out. So that's not an issue. At all. See, I thought you would laugh at that at least. I smiled. I smirked. Because I know that Nabate Isles wouldn't be laughing or smiling at any of the Floyd Mayweather stuff right I now. Said I, I said I, I said I smirked. Yeah, I know. I thought I know, it was very I cute. I, I thought it was pretty funny. Thank you. Thank you very much. I, I, I do... I do uh, do well with that. So in the last 10 minutes, there have not been any more uh, trades that I can report at this point, and there haven't been any NBA trades. So tell me, Seth, you got the next month, which is just going to be NFL training camps and baseball. Do you even watch sports for the next month? Not really. I did, I did watch All or Nothing, the Amazon show in Carolina. But I'll follow what's going on. I'll, you know, start to kind of get ready for college football, start to get ready for fantasy football, which I'm not there yet. I, I, I just i am not there for fantasy yet. I know you said you were, but... Well... Well, you get an email from me like every other week about it. So yeah, I'm I'm there. I am. I am eager to uh, cash in on Le'Veon Bell finally this year, which was an interesting. He, he tweeted an apology <laughs> a couple of days ago to all of his fantasy owners for screwing them up last year, and I took that apology to heart. I was like, now go show me. I was like, we need you. Come come help. Like, I I I think. As you get more involved with your family life, as Nabate has taught to us, he's like, I'm not really into into fantasy yet. I was like, yeah, yeah, you guys got families. I was like, you guys got time. You got you got no time. No, he's, he's not. We'll a, get to it. Dina's not pregnant, as far as I know. So oh, there's no, no difference whether you're got married. Really, I'm married. 
Mowage? Mowage? Mowage. No, I mean, Mowage is an institution. No, I mean, to me, whether you're married or living together makes no damn difference when it comes to this. It's the kids that take up all the time. So, I... Yeah. My hope is by about a week or two, I'll start to get stoked. Okay, so to give you guys a a programming notes, let's just go programming notes here. Uh, we got 20 minutes to go in the show, but let's get some programming notes. So next week, regularly scheduled at the 7th, uh, at, on the 6th, and then we get into our preview shows. So the 13th, well, nope, we got two weeks. So the 6th will be regular, the 13th will be regular, the 20th will be our college football show, the 27th will be our fantasy football show, and then the 3rd will be our NFL show, because I think most people will be drafting the week of Labor Day, which is the 31st, the 1st, and the 2nd. So we should get in our show for fantasy purposes before then. Um, I don't know, Seth, it's interesting that I've considerably gone down in teams over the last couple of years, and now I'm considerably going up in teams. It's like been an evolution of... I found the best, like, three or four leagues. I used to be in, like, seven or eight, and you used to make fun of me, which is perfectly fine because I had every single player on every team. It was like watching TV. It was like sensory overload. I have that guy. I'm against that guy. Wait, I have that guy on three teams, but I'm against that guy on two teams. Um, But it's become – now I'm up to four teams again from two last year. And um, fortunate for me, I still have the same keeper in, in three of them. Uh, James Conner will be a keeper. So I'm, I'm, I, I don't know why it's got me going. Maybe it's because of the warm weather and, and I understand that football season is upon us. And maybe it's a little bit because I'm looking forward to Syracuse football too, that I have a lot more in me. I wanted to bring up uh, a – so the Athletic has done a really good series. And for those that don't pay for the Athletic. Pay for I'm the Athletic. by the – I, I am amazed by how good some of that, their articles are. Uh, look, I've been an ESPN Plus subscriber since the very first day, and they're really it's good. It's not even like, the on, Yeah, it seems like all the good writers, all the writers that went, that were from these various newspapers that shut down, the Jace, or just laid off people, Ken Rosenthal, Jason Stark, and even the ones for the, Arthur Staple, who's an Islanders beat writer. And, man, the Islanders have a beat writer? Like, that's tremendous. But the fact is, the athletic is so well written. And I love reading the comments where they think that everybody's a homer. Like, that's just even more fun. But the athletic has done a really good series this year on conference realignment and where we are. As, as opposed to where we have been, right? So Syracuse moves to the big, from the Big East. Uh, the Big Ten expands with Nebraska. And then, of course, we have Maryland. And I think we're six years in to this transition. I think in the seventh year, Maryland gets a, gets a full share. And they're looking back right. on how conference realignment changed. And I remember when, you, when, the, when Maryland moved. I remember when we had the discussion whether the Big 12 would be the Big 16, right? It was possibly 
the most volatile week in, in college sports ever because everything could have changed. And here we are six, seven years later, and they did an article. I, I, I don't remember who wrote it, but definitely quoted numerous players and numerous personalities like LaRon Prophet and Bonnie Bernstein, who went to Maryland, and Scott Van Pelt, and, and over and over again. Syracuse really didn't have a choice. They went where, because the Big East was dying. Maryland had a choice and went for the money. And I read the article, and the article pretty much was on point where most people were still not in favor of this. But once the money comes in, maybe they will be, and that's in another year. And somebody was quoted, I don't remember who, maybe it was, uh, I can't remember who it was, but they said, give it five more years and nobody will even remember that Maryland was in the ACC. I'm not really sure I believe that, but at the same time, what do you think? You're an alumnus. I mean, it, it still rocks me that Maryland and Rutgers are in the Big Ten, even to this day. Okay. Okay. The article was written by Seth Emerson, who I went to college with and knew uh, 20 20-some-odd years ago, 25 years, God help me, ago. Um, although I haven't seen him in 20 years. So. And it, he hit it on the team. This is a very simple – what happened was very simple. Debbie Yao, who is despised in Maryland, was the athletic coordinator in the early 2000s when Ralph Regan, our – Beloved head college football coach took us to an Orange Bowl, and we want we beat we beat Florida State out to win the ACC. Based upon that, they they almost doubled the size. Of, I don't want to say doubled the size, but greatly expanded the size of Bird Stadium, the football stadium where they play. The following year, they win the NCAA title, and we have the Comcast Center. The problem being are going from the Coalfield House to Comcast Center. The problem being, and I don't know what the thought process was, is, as the title said, it's a, it's a, a basketball team in a football conference. No one was paying to go to the Maryland games. So they went deeply, deeply, deeply in debt, number one. Number two, Maryland has always been the second-class citizen in the ACC. This is not. This is not debatable. This is not subjective. This is a fact. Whoever was not Duke or North Carolina was not was not a, was, was not at the top of the food chain. Or was not at least in the not in the research triangle. Was not at the top of the food chain in the ACC. The ACC basketball tournament. I believe we didn't host it for 40 years. It was that kind of thing. But the thing that held Maryland in and where they were not thrilled but were, could stay happy was they had this rivalry. And I realized Duke didn't consider them a rival, but we considered Duke a rival. Like Virginia considered us a rival. We didn't consider Virginia a rival. That was the way it was. But once we're brought, once they bring in Pittsburgh and, you know, pardon my French, bring in Syracuse – 
Now, Syracuse and Maryland, I can kind of understand because it's a very similar student body, just private versus public school. But when you when you when you designate rivalries of Pittsburgh, they don't give a flying bleep about Pittsburgh. So the rivalries, for all intents and purposes, are going by the wayside. We don't feel particularly respected. Never have. We are debt up to our bidding. And we're offered the opportunity to go into a, to a, a steady a conference that will, within 10 years will take us out of the red and into the black. And better academically and better in a lot of other sports than the ACC, it made sense. And I remember having this, I remember having this discussion with the day it happened. I understood why they did it. I understood the value, but it still stinks. It's not, you know, nobody cares about it. The problem is you went from being a middle-tier team in the ACC, the middle child in the ACC, to the middle child in the Big 12, the Big 10. And that's sad, but true. Is there any way for Maryland at this point to become a bigger team in the, in the Big 10? Because I don't see it. I don't see the geographic the only, rivalry. I know that the only way I see it is if Loxley does a really good job and he's recruiting like a monster and they beat Penn State several times in a row. The only natural rivalry in the Big Ten for Maryland is Penn State. But when they've beaten you 30 out of 32 games, it's not really a rivalry. Look, I, I, I get it, right? I mean, you're the whipping boy in the ACC. Now you're the whipping boy in the Big Ten. And you weren't really the whipping boy in the ACC for a while it, uh, until you le- lost Freegan or the year before Freegan got fired. You had, a legitimate, you had a legitimate team for the first time in a very long time for football. And I'm not sure what went wrong, but something did. Right, and you lost Frisian, and then you lost Gary Williams, yeah. or Gary Williams retired, or you fired him, or whatever happened. But right. this is a legitimate team. This is a legitimate year to me. So next year comes the money. Next year is the tipping point for the money. So you become a fu- you become fully vested in the Big Ten along with the Big Ten Network next year. Great. There goes the money. But respect wise. In my opinion, this is a huge year for you guys. And the reasoning is you have a schedule. Look, I'm not going to toot Syracuse's horn, but I will because we're a top 15 team in football. You play us week two at home. You can pull off a top 15 upset week two at home and start the year great. Your basketball team legitimately is a top 15 team. It's not a top 10 team, potentially. Yes, it's Turgeon's best team ever. And I don't say that sarcastically. It is. But in the past, when this happens, 
Maryland doesn't come through, right? Agreed. They, they, yeah. they, have, Agreed. they have preseason hype. They're like the Washington Nationals, or they're like the Washington – I'm going to keep saying Washington teams, but it's true. They're like the Washington Nationals or the Washington Capitals. It's, it's preseason hype and postseason dismay. And that's all part of this is the fact that it's put up or shut up time for this team, for this university, as far as sports is concerned. You have a schedule in which you can do that. Let's see you go do it. And well, I think that that I don't is. Think, I, I, I think that's asking a lot from the football team. Considering you're coming off a year, with, you have a new coach, you're coming off a year where you had someone die, and we're in the midst of an enormous scandal. Um, I actually think Loxley will succeed here because everyone in the DMV, which is considered the, the D.C., Maryland, Virginia border, Virginia area, which is a football hotbed, loves Loxley. All of the high school coaches love Loxley. We just got a recruit. We beat out a recruit from Ohio State and Oregon um, down in Florida. The number four guy in the country who went to Alabama just entered the portal. He's expected to end up at Maryland. Um, I think I think for Maryland, I, I don't know what the what the expectation is this year with so many because of some of the topsy turviness of the last twelve months. On the basketball end, I did we are it's the second biggest best team Turgeon has had. He had a team that was top five preseason with when Rashid Solomon came in from Duke. And Tremble was the, was the QB, was the QB, was, he was the point guard, and Diamond Stone was there, and Robert Carter was there. That team was preseason top five and underachieved. Now, I'm a little bit more optimistic with this team because there's a nice meld of freshmen and sophomores and senior leadership in Cowan. We'll see what happens. But this team has also done very well in other sports. They won the, the NCAA soccer championship. They make the lacrosse final four in men's and women's every year. They've done okay. It's football. Football is, is, the, is the kicker, and football is what the Big Ten is built upon. I don't think you can say this year. I think you've got to give them another, an extra another year or so after that because I think that's an unfair expectation for a guy coming in well, first season as a head coach. Well, the expectation is that both teams do well in the same year. That's, my, that's, what, that's what Maryland needs. Maryland needs a full year yeah. of top sports. Because if you look at Michigan and you look at Michigan State, you're seeing teams in Ohio State, right, which are, which are the epitome of consistency. Those teams are year-round in the conversation. And the problem that Maryland has had, to me, maybe not to you, but to me, and the reason that they don't succeed, and quite frankly, the reason that Syracuse is now on the way back up is because it is a year-round conversation of excitement for these teams. You need to be good in both. You can't just be good in one in order to bring in the butter. And to me, that leads me to my last five minutes which is right now, by the way, no, uh, as of five minutes, uh, Zach Wheeler, with five minutes left in the deadline, Zach Wheeler is still a New York Met. There have been no real 
big trades left that have been made. Mark Melosin went from San Francisco, and his $14 million salary also went to the Braves. So they are loading up on the bullpen. The Yankees have also not made a trade. Okay, so this is the first year, well, maybe last year too, the first couple of years in two decades that I am stoked for Syracuse football. Now, that could all come crashing down if they lose to Maryland in week two. I'll tell you that flat out. But stoked. I am, and Seth, maybe that's why I'm so ready for football, fantasy or otherwise, is that this type of excitement hasn't been around the program since Donovan McNabb. And that's when, I, that's when we went to school, so we're looking at 24 years along. Yeah. I mean, it's been a while. And Dino is bringing, Dino is bringing the goods. And I really don't expect Dino to have, unfortunately, another kind of season, which if he goes top 10 this year, I don't think he'll be the Syracuse coach after this year. That's no, what I, I always have. And uh, so it's kind of like a swing and a hit and a swing and a miss. Is if the team does really well, Dino might be in USC. <laughs> and that would be horrible for me. But you can only play with today's game, not for tomorrow's game. So I am really stoked for Syracuse football. Uh, the basketball team is actually freshman only, basically. They're, they're going to be freshmen and freshmen. But it'll be a nice surprise of Saturday afternoon looking forward to Syracuse football. And like I said before, maybe that's what's got me on the fantasy kick already, is that every day I'm looking to see what Syracuse football is doing, and I'm excited. All right, Seth, you got three minutes. All right. We don't really talk about back sports page anymore. Um, as many of you know, I started it with Randy Zellia. Randy Zellia started it nine years ago. I was kind of a co-owner for a year or two and then faded out as business and life took over. But more, I mean, but uh, Sean and I still have a pretty, I mean, I have a very good relationship with Randy. Sean does too. Um, although I'm closer with him than he is. And Randy's had some unlucky breaks on a lot of things, but nothing worse uh, than what happened on Wednesday night where his, uh, you know, his beloved girlfriend, Sarah, uh, you know, went into the hospital and never unfortunately came out. And she was, you know, she was a big supporter of him, which you have to be when you're trying to start a website from scratch, which is extraordinarily difficult. Um, and, you know, she would, she would go to the, she would be a photographer for some of the games, you know, you know, we talk about these things and sometimes you lose perspective. And, you know, Randy has always come from the right place. You know, not always done the right thing, but he's always come from the right place. And <laughs> as a guy who's kind of gone through a lot of crap over the last couple of years, this is just, you know, an additional turn to the knife. And I was at the wake. It was not fun. And you know, thirty-four year old with a with a uh, with a teenager, oh, you know. So, my truly deepest condolences to Randy, to the Gordon family, and to anyone else who knew Sarah. I mean, this is just simply heartbreaking, and and I don't think there's much more that really needs to be added on that. So, 
Um, for Sean Palmer, this is Seth Kamens on the Seth and Sean Sports Radio Show from Back Sports Page. Uh, have a good weekend. I'll, we'll talk to you next week. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 